0: What's up, fellow passengers? We're excited to have you on this journey with us as we head down the road a little bit longer and see how some of our favorite movies look in the rear view. My name is Scotty Williams. Always a pleasure to talk movies with you and with my favorite movie critic, Trevor. How is everything going, sir?
1: Oh, pretty good. Can't complain. (laughs) Could complain. Nobody would care. Ah, you know, somebody would care
0: somewhere. Probably not me, but Somewhere.
1: somewhere. Yeah, you wouldn't.
0: So, uh, looks like we're going back in the rear view to June 15th, 2001. What was happening back then?
1: Um, I can't really remember the specifics. I know we were planning on a road trip to Illinois, my old stomping grounds before I moved here. So I'm not, I, I don't think we'd left yet. I think that was still a couple weeks away, but we were definitely getting ready for it. What were you doing?
0: Uh, back on everybody's favorite saga from last week, the uh, the saga of cross country and uh, learning how to run three miles with no one chasing me. So uh, just <laughs> lots of races and goodness gracious me, why did I do this? There is a really funny story that involves me buying a brand new pair of shoes to run a 5K, realizing that they don't fit my feet at all about a mile in and then kicking them off and running two miles on asphalt in my sock feet because I was an idiot.
1: I don't know what makes you a bigger idiot, not practicing with the shoes before you took off on a 5k or running bare feet on asphalt we're gonna say both okay
0: my dad can say both my coach later spun it into like man look how tough he is and i'm like nah coach i was just dumb (laughs) could you run a 5k right now i think i could could you expect me to run it reasonably fast heck to the no absolutely not
1: but could you start running and finish it running sure yeah
0: i believe i could maybe
1: not me. <laughs> not you. Not your, not your gig. I'd, pr- I'd probably need to do one of those couch to 5K things. Everyone else goes out after work and goes for a jog or something like that. Me, I go and I plop down on the couch and watch movies. <laughs> That's my life, man.
0: Well, I guess it's kind of fitting that what we have this week is a nice little intersection of being on the couch for a long time and watching movies. Uh, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite uh, video game, eye candy, as it were.
1: That's right. So this week, we are going back to June 15th, 2001. We're going to talk about Laura Croft Tomb Raider, which, if I remember right, nobody called it that. Everyone just called it Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, sure it's one of those weird naming things. But now everybody calls it that. Is It's just kind of like become the, the name of this movie. And I remember when it came out on video, because I was working at the video store at the time, uh, people were looking for it. They couldn't find it. Where's Tomb Raider? Where's Tomb Raider? It's under the L's. Why? Because the movie's called Laura Croft Tomb Raider, mm. and people had no it. People didn't realize that they just kept calling it Tomb Raider for everything.
0: Well, and since we're dealing with a subsection of people that tend to be, we're dovetailing into a subsection of people that tend to be a little more. Definitive about things. We may want to also clarify that I do believe it's Ly- Lara Croft or Lara Croft
1: Lara? instead of yeah, Lara. Sure.
0: Yeah, like I get. I guess maybe because it's British. I don't know. But, you know, we're, we're dealing with a population of people who tend to be a little picky about some of those details and I wouldn't yeah. hate to disappoint them.
1: Yeah, sorry for offending if we have, but yeah, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, who we'll just call Angelina Jolie from here on out.
0: Yeah, and and I guess this is probably a good place to throw in our 20-year-old spoiler alert.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. You know, there will be spoilers, and this is your one and only spoiler, but let's be honest, you've had 20 years to see it. Yeah, we're going to
0: be discussing some intricate plot details, and as you've already figured out going through particular parts of the movie and really dissecting and yeah, if you don't know, you need to know by now. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, you've you've lost that right pretty much, you know. If it's been, you know, nobody wants to spoil an episode of a, your favorite TV show until the next season comes out or whatever just so everybody's had a chance to watch it on streaming, but these are 20-year-old movies here, people. You know, <laughs> get with the program if you haven't seen them. And sure, we're going to come across ones that we haven't even seen. So, you know, if we had it spoiled already, well, I mean, I had 20 years to see it. I can't be mad about it.
0: Well, and you know what's funny? I think with movies that are this old, the whole spoiler alert thing takes on a whole new meaning. Because, like, for example, yeah, it kind of ruins the sixth sense if you already know that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. But, I mean, it's not going to stop people from watching the movie who haven't seen it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So so tell me about the tale of the tape on Lara Croft, All Lara, right. Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Lara
1: Croft, Tomb Raider. Okay, so this opened on June 15th of 2001. It was directed by Simon West. It stars Angelina Jolie as the video character icon. Her father, her real-life father, John Voight, in a small role as her father in the movie. Ian Glenn, who everyone will remember from Game of Thrones as uh sir jorah mormont daniel craig i completely forgot he was in this but a young daniel craig before he did uh before he did james bond and a whole bunch of other movies that everyone knows him for now
0: i shot you a heck of a text when i saw that the very first scene i saw him in, i was like oh my god that's daniel craig yeah yeah ironically you've got the guy who would later play james bond pretending to have an american
1: accent yeah true so (laughs) and noah taylor in a small role assisting Angelina Jolie with computers, I think. Um, If you don't remember the plot, it is about the orphaned heiress and intrepid archaeologist Lara Croft embarking on a dangerous quest to retrieve the two halves of an ancient artifact which controls time before it falls into the wrong hands, as an extremely rare planetary alignment is about to occur for the first time in five thousand years the fearless Tomb Raider will have to team up with rival adventurers and sworn enemies to collect the pieces while time is running out. But in the end, who can harness the archaic talisman's unlimited power? Power, power, power. Yeah, it sounds intense. How'd we do at the box office on this thing? (laughs) Well, let's see here. Opening weekend... I think
0: in order to tick off as many people as possible, I'm just going to mispronounce her name differently every time. Uh, (laughs) So the very first opening weekend that Croft Tomb Raider came out, it made $47 million, later made a domestic gross of $131 million, with an international of $143 million, made a far greater amount international, for a worldwide gross of $274 million, against a budget, slightly bloated it looks like, of $115 million. Obviously no Oscar wins and no Oscar nominations. The Rotten Tomatoes critics did not like this film. They hit it with a 20. Wouldn't that make it the lowest scoring film thus far in our review of films? Uh, The audience liked it a little bit more They gave it a 47 And the Rotten Tomatoes summary As funny as this is uh, Angelina Jolie is perfect for the role of Lara Croft But even she can't save the movie From a senseless plot and action sequences With no emotional impact I'm gonna say I find that distinction I I think it's a touch harsh It's a little harsh for a video game movie, again, video game movies—we'll probably touch on this a little bit as we go—but I think video game movies, the bar and standard, can look a little different than it does in some of your other films because you're really making movies for a niche audience anyway. Kind of like with musicals when we talked about Moulin Rouge. But uh, well, and
1: how do you how do you please the, a fan of a game though? You know, it's not like you can stay true to a a comic book or whatever where. A character is fully fleshed out and fully realized, whereas a game, um, you know, at least now, some of them have gotten a lot better. But uh, in 2001, I'm not sure. I never really played um, a whole lot of video games, especially this Mm. one. But, you know, how do you base Angelina Jolie's interpretation of this character on on that? And do you get upset maybe if they take a different plot than what was given You know in the game i mean could this have been and a script for indiana jones that was repurposed into this movie or is this an actual plot line within the game you know
0: i don't think it's a plot line within the game now to be fair tomb raider has been a highly successful game franchise that has had a number of iterations so this may have worked its way into a game which sometimes that happens when it comes to video Mm -hmm. games Uh, but to go back and answer your original question in the first top of my head, I'm going to say that for video game movies to be successful, you have to be reasonably faithful to the source material while still telling a compelling story. As an example, if I'm going to ask Trevor Kirkendall, what is one of the biggest video game movie flops in the history of mankind? (laughs) It's easy. Mario. Yeah. Super Mario (laughs) brothers. And, and the cardinal sin of super Mario brothers is pretty simple. They took a story based on a video game about a plumber who smashes turtles on the head and saves a princess and put it in a blender with a parade of different writers and editors and touch-up guys and turned it into some complete uh, bastardization of the source material. Uh, Yes. A movie that, frankly, at the end of it was not appropriate for children and children are some of the core consumers of Mario. And so, yeah, I think by, by those standards, actually, you know, we talk a little about that later, but when you make a video game movie, I think you have to stay true to the source material in a reasonable fashion, um, and do so in a way that's compelling. But so jumping back into the rear view here in the past, when did Trevor see this film when he was younger?
1: Uh, so I mentioned that we took a trip to, Uh, Illinois and spent some time up there um this was my my dad and my sister went up there I think my dad had a a business trip and he left from there so it was me and my sister kind of hanging out with our friends that we used to have up there or still have up there but hadn't seen in a while Mm -hmm. and I believe I went to see Tomb Raider with uh with one of my friends up there. I saw a bunch of movies. That's what everybody wants to do when they get together with me. They want to go watch movies. I don't know why. Can't imagine why. Yeah. So I get up there and they're like, let's go see a movie. And I'm like, yeah. And so we chose Tomb Raider. And there will be a couple other movies, I think, that we're going to visit here in the next few weeks that I saw in Illinois on that trip. So (laughs) even when I'm out of town, I still make time to go see a movie. So... It's if honestly any not a question of idea. my fandom.
0: <laughs> no question. Yeah,
1: it's one of your hobbies. Uh,
0: so you saw the film with some friends in Illinois. What'd you think?
1: Yeah. Uh I didn't like it. I mean, it's not like that that's pretty much that's pretty much me like 7 out of 10 times probably. And a lot of people will interpret that as being offensive. Like we went to a movie and you didn't enjoy it. So you didn't enjoy my time. Is that what you're saying? It's like, no, that's not, you know, because I've gone to movies before and I'll come out and I'll just say, that was terrible, blah, 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 blah. I didn't like it. Hmm. Well, I'm glad I enjoyed myself. No, no, that's not what I'm getting at. I love being in here. I love coming to this building and sitting in this room and watching something being projected onto a screen. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Even if something
0: turns out to be subpar.
1: Right. Even if I don't like it, I still really loved being here, you know? And I don't go see movies with people I don't like. So, of course, I enjoyed my time with whoever I'm with, be it my wife or uh, a friend of mine or anybody else. I mean, like, I've gone to movies by myself. And sometimes you just kind of, like, start talking to a dude on the way out just randomly. You know, that was dumb. it's, (laughs)
0: it's It's certainly one of my favorites things to do as a nice getaway. In fact, there's a really great movie theater by our house, and sometimes I've had a long week and the kids go to bed and Heather goes to bed early. I'll sneak off to that theater and catch a 9.30 Mm -hmm. or 10 o'clock, even if I don't love the movie because – it's nice to get away and if the movie's mildly interesting i'll check it out and i've seen some really really good movies that way so no it's it's a nice little escape for me too i understand completely from where you're talking about
1: yeah so i mean and we've gone to movies before where neither of us liked it and we come out just like that was terrible Mm -hmm. well it was good seeing you and it's like it's not like we didn't like hanging out and we didn't like watching the movie it was just well, it wasn't a good movie and that and, was it
0: and we did what we're doing here basically commiserate yeah. over some of the some of the flaws of the film i guess yeah. that leads to the question what was the best movie we've ever seen together i think i know the answer
1: oh boy um spider-man 2 mm. the aviator uh, the Dark Knight, in my opinion, was the oh, best Oh, yeah. One. I forgot we saw that. We yeah. went to Midnight and saw that one. That's right. Yeah.
0: We caught that one late because, well, that was probably one of the hardest tickets to get in us watching movies, honestly. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of the harder tickets for us to get. But yeah, we had to go over to Apex and catch it late. Mm-hmm. But
1: no, that was probably, in my
0: opinion, the best movie we saw
1: together. Yeah. I forgot we went and saw that. But yeah, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm.
0: So you were meh on the movie. You did not like the movie. My best uh, it, description of the. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care for it.
0: Well, my, in my intimation of the movie, I did go see it in theaters because one of the things I enjoyed a lot at that age was video games. Had a PlayStation. Honestly, my favorite game ever on PlayStation was Final Fantasy VII, but I had played a little bit of Tomb Raider. In fact, when I first got the PlayStation, I had one of those demo discs, and I think there was a level from Tomb Raider that was on there as an extra, and I played it over and over and again. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, Tomb Raider, let's go check it out. And honestly... The parts of the film that were meant to appeal to teenage boys appealed to me. And the rest of it, not so much. I didn't, honestly, I remember being bored at the movie.
1: Yeah, I think when, I can't remember if it was this one or if this was something else. We had gone up to Illinois a couple times and we always drove up there. Um, And I remember once we went up there and like as soon as we got there, my friend was like, let's go see a movie. And since I can never say no we went even though i was exhausted and i <laughs> fell asleep in it and i don't remember if it was this one or if it was another one from a couple years prior cuz i could see it happening for either one because be i think the other frank, one was
0: i mean to be perfectly frank that's what happened in this film yeah. i think uh as a kid there there's not much to draw kids in once you get past the <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: that's exactly how I'd like that to be portrayed, portrayed, too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, no, I so I'm sure you and I had several things on this movie. I'll kind of open with uh, the first kind of question on this. Is Angelina Jolie the right person for this role?
1: Um, at the time, I think she probably was. I can't really think of anybody else that was sort of that. Uh, um had that kind of level of intimidation to her because you know you watch her in this movie and she can kick ass with the best of them um and she just has that look and that that presence to her that I don't really think anybody else at that time had and I can't really think of anybody um do you, do you think there was somebody that could have played the role different or better in 2001 you know it's
0: kind of funny How my view on it evolved I wrote that note down Kind of at the beginning Of the movie I was like man Is Angelina Jolie Really the right one For this movie And I think it's one of those Where like Maybe it's makeup Maybe it's some things About just Angelina's Facial features But In the face And and just kind of You know Perfect match I mean especially Some of the facial expressions She makes in the film And some of the way She looks Some of those Older the shoulder looks uh, very accurate. Yeah,
1: she definitely looks like the graphic of the the character on the video game. So I don't know if I don't know if they made that game with her in mind, or if they made the game and somebody in Hollywood was like, "Hey, that looks like that looks like John Voight's girl." Well, later on, she comes to be
0: played in, in later iterations of the Tomb Raider franchise by I believe Alicia Vikander. Is I say her name
1: something like that? Yeah. Um. No, I didn't. I haven't seen that one, so I can't speak to her on that, but, uh, from the movies I've seen her in, I can't picture her in this role. And when I'm picturing this, I'm picturing this movie. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine her in this story for this movie.
0: But uh, no, I think ultimately she was a good fit for the role and did a good job in it, in a role that had a lot more to it than meets the eye. When I went back and looked at it in the review, but, uh, what were some things that jumped out to you when you watched it? Um,
1: a really 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 flimsy story here uh propped up on nothing but convenience they kind of contradicted certain things here and there i mean so okay she gets in and starts to do the um starts to go after this artifact which i guess she i guess we should point out how she gets her hands on it in the first place um this particular villain in this movie is I guess um, Ian Glenn. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I call him Sir Jorah, um, that's my that's my uh, homage to him as playing a great role <laughs> in a great TV series for seven seasons. Um, <laughs> you go right uh, ahead. I have not seen yeah. six
0: seconds of that series. Yeah.
1: Well, he's he's great in it, just as everybody else is in that show. So, mm. um, But uh, yeah, so Sir Jorah here is, uh, I guess, the villain. And he sort of introduced... When he's standing in front of like a diabolical council, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they, have a name. (laughs) They have a name. Is it the Exposition Council? (laughs) Absolutely, they do. Yeah. (laughs) So what is the name? Uh, They're the Illuminati, sir. Oh, is it the... That's right. It is the Illuminati. I forgot. The nameless,
0: faceless monolith that children in my world history class would reference for years. Sometimes as a joke and sometimes as a dear God, I saw it on a YouTube video. It must be real um yes the
1: illuminati okay well he's standing in front of them the illuminati the exposition council of the movie that's letting him know all about this that you need to find a key and we only got one week because all the planets are gonna align and that's the only time we can do this heinous thing they're looking for this key and where is this key it is of all places under angelina jolie's stairs yep right and it just starts ticking. And she can hear it from the other side of her gigantic mansion.
0: 83 rooms, I believe she actually says. Is that what she says? Wow. Yeah. Well, because she, she, it was a crack when the, uh, the guy, I think it's, what's his name? Noah, the side character, mm-hmm. is living in that little trailer. And it's like, Noah, there's 83 rooms in this house. Why can't you stay in here? Which ultimately, he stays in that trailer so he doesn't have to get sucked into the action in that one scene. But we'll digress.
1: So she gets this clock from under her stairs. And it's like... The clock is hiding the key. The clock's hiding our MacGuffin, if you will. And she knows exactly how to get into it. Like she's never seen this before. She had no idea this little room was under her under her stairs, which she must have a lot of disposable income from raiding tunes because she just bashes her way into that without any regard to the architecture of her house. <laughs>
0: we're, we're coming into a theme here. I got to tell you, uh, my second note was, call back from Trevor's episode
1: on The Mummy Returns. Treasure <laughs> hunting must pay a fortune. It sure does. I mean, where does she get all this money from? So,
0: Oh, I can tell you exactly. Sir, she's hyper rich, owns a palatial house, has lots of gadgets and guns, and is a hand-to-hand fighting expert. She's Batwoman. Ah, uh, she could be. She that's very terrible. well could be. She has a tragic backstory with a father
1: and mother who aren't there. So, I'm, I mean, hey. So, now she's got this artifact, and that's going to be the thing that everybody wants. And, you know, she goes and she shows it to her, I guess, colleague, which is Daniel Craig. And I was floored when he walked into the room. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, Daniel so Craig Craig, yeah. James Bond. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I had no idea he was in it if I... Did I completely forgot about it? Like the first movie I remember seeing Daniel Craig in, and like really realizing that's who it was, and remembering who it was. Moving forward was Road to Perdition, which won't come out for another year. So mm-hmm. I completely forgot that he was in this. But I guess she shows it to him, uh leaves after that. But he, I guess, calls Sir Jorah and lets her, lets him know that you know Croft has this item that you're looking for. You need to go get it because he turns out to be, you know. Working with um, working with uh, Ian Glenn in this one. So, yeah, but then they send like the whole army into her house to retrieve it. Yeah, while she's bungee dancing, is that is that something that's in the game? I mean, or is no, that just something? Absolutely
0: that... not. There is, is no unless I and again I have I will again qualify. I have not played the universe of of Tomb Raider games. I played the original Tomb Raider and really didn't play it much after that. But no, I I thought that was incredibly gratuitous, <laughs> and it was like and not to mention how many rich people have a Myrtle Beach looking tourist bungee thing in their house. Yeah. So that she can, you know, uh, honestly, I categorized it the same place with the shower scene and her walking around without a towel on, just gratuitous showing off of, well, many of the people who were coming to this movie played the game and obsess over Lara Croft. So let's give them what they want.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, just, I kept thinking, I'm like, is this how rich people relax? I mean, they just go, eh, I'll bungee jump in my gigantic foyer because I can. <laughs> they, they, also don't,
0: like, they also don't button the buttons on their, on their pajamas so that her abdomen just flaps away in the wind while she's moving. And they don't have wind in their house. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but the up and down just, no, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I thought that scene was a touch gratuitous.
1: Right. Well, and then she's fighting these guys and she's running around the walls and, and beating them all up. And they have like worse aim than a stormtrooper.
0: <laughs> you you, she's, must be, you must be sneaking a look at my notes, dude. My notes say, when did the bad guys who can't shoot trope finally bite the dust in a movie? Because they emptied more clips at her than Imperial stormtroopers and yeah. didn't even touch her pajamas.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, she wasn't dirty at all, and, you know, she's in there the next morning sweeping up, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, this she just has this so casual look on her face, especially when the UPS guy walks in and he looks around like, what happened? And then she just looks at him and says, do you have a package for me? No, of course he doesn't. Why else would he be here, dumbass? Like... (laughs) <laughs> well you know it's, it's funny that
0: line that she gives the UPS guy is actually I think kind of a reflection of something I did not notice when I watched it earlier and then in the review it made perfect sense This movie is dominated by Angelina Jolie and really female dominated There are two other females in this movie and they're playing small bit parts Otherwise Angelina Jolie is either dominating, one-upping or otherwise owning every faceless man around Mm -hmm. the scene because if you go back to that scene the UPS driver goes in and says what happened and she gives him this look and doesn't bat an eye and says I just hated the way it looked
1: yeah and you notice that she chalk it up to performance or direction or writing or whatever in this in this moment right here this one scene she holds more power over that one dude than um Halle Berry held over Hugh Jackman at all in that particular scene in Swordfish. Yeah. No. So 100%. they like try to you know, in that movie they try to manufacture it by, you know, putting her out there naked or whatever, but here yeah. you got, she just got a broom in her hand and she's just like, what? And she's they- totally more yeah, dominated over him.
0: Well, they they kind of well exactly. Manufacture is the perfect word, and almost like the director thinks that that showing Halle Berry without her clothes on gives her power, whereas Angelina Jolie's power is all over the place in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in fact, you go back to the scenes in the tomb; all of the men are watching her do the work.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> she even in the scenes with uh, what's with Sir Jorah, I guess. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the The with her scenes with the bad guy it's very clear that the bad guy would like to have a relationship with her beyond just dominating her and taking this item. And there's lots of, like, little small notes, like, man, I've never seen something so beautiful I didn't know much about. And she pretends, she gives this little, like, eh, like, kind of noise about it. and No, I... That's one thing that as a teenager I definitely did not notice. But you take a character like Laura Croft, who is famously this eye candy character in a video game and really becomes this very, they turn her into a very dominant figure who is really only ruled by one man in the end.
1: I also like, we got a little, uh, a, a dated reference here. What what song is she listening to while she's sweeping up? While she's sweeping up? I couldn't remember. Yeah, Get Your Freak On. Oh yeah, that Song screams 2001 to me. <laughs> it
0: does. It does. As does the Sony Vio laptop that the hacker guy was using. Yeah. Uh, during different, and it said Vio in big letters. I'm like, yeah. oh, they got a little money for that.
1: And how was he hacking? What was he doing to hack? Tap, 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 tap. Tap, tap, <laughs> tap, Yeah. Exactly.
0: You know, I'll tell you something else I noticed, and I just thought this was kind of funny. Uh, this movie was rated PG-13, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Has to be if you're going to get the, you know, the 13-year-old boys in there. But, um... What kind of nice catch all British word is bugger? Bugger? They said bugger like a, like dozens of times in this movie. Pretty I much think, anytime Idiom got mad, bugger.
1: Oh, yeah, bugger. I think that's uh, one of those British idioms that every American knows, so you can just throw it in there and be like, well, he's disappointed.
0: Well, I was wondering how that factors into the rating. It's like, so if you use a word that is only mildly noticed here in the United States, but in a foreign country, it's actually a swear word, I wonder how they considered that. Right. <laughs> But yeah, she says, she says, bugger, uh, the hacker guy says, bugger, the butler says it pretty much. Everybody says it at some point.
1: So, um, so she gets, she gets pulled into this, uh, a little bit more because the, the thing the UPS guy's delivering is a letter from her father who's been missing for 15 years. And he mailed this letter 15 years ago to arrive today. There's that coincidence once again. Like I just don't understand that. So Which led her to
0: which led her to another letter that he wrote in a that book. was far more emotional and touching that he had like stitched into a page that she wound up having to cut out.
1: Yeah, that's how she comes into this. And what we find out is that she needs to find this artifact that has been split into two pieces and hidden uh, in two different parts of the world, right?
0: That's what Exposition Voice says. Yeah. Yes.
1: So Now, my question about this is, every time we have this kind of MacGuffin thing like this, where it's some ancient artifact, the ancient artifact always seems to be split into two pieces and always hidden in two different parts. So, if you need both pieces to unite the artifact and create chaos amongst the world, then why do we need to get all the pieces together and then destroy them? Why can't we just go to one, break it, and be like, all right, cool. We saved the world.
0: Well, it was also, I thought, kind of ill-defined what was actually at stake in those terms. Because there's a scene, the scene where Lara shows up and her her hacker guy is behind her, and he drops that, well, time to save the universe. And she's like, absolutely. And it's save the universe from what? Mm -hmm. Like... They, the guy who wants it, the bad guy who wants it, really never made it ultimately clear what he was going to do with the thing.
1: Yeah. You just unite it and be like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now die. I'm the man. Right. Like, n- then he's going to put it on his mantle somewhere. Right. But no, I, yeah, n- never really well defined in that. It was like, well, it's just, and to be quite honest, Trevor, what I what I think about with that is, The idea of taking something very powerful and splitting it into pieces and hiding it in other places, uh, that's the Triforce. That's a Legend of Zelda thing. So also a very popular, it's a very popular video game trope because it's going to necessitate you going to many different worlds and it's going to necessitate you getting different challenges and it's one way that video game designers can actually make a game bigger.
1: But why do you need to break both? sections or all three sections it seems like breaking one would do it for you because if you need all three pieces in zelda case or all two pieces here then why not just break one destroy one boom done now you can't do anything with the other one you find it no no use
0: well no because then the i mean the the movie can't happen without it, dude
1: yeah i mean this is true so <laughs> um so that's that's one kind of uh common thing that i see especially in like these um, archaeology hunting movies or whatever, be it like a Indiana Jones or a Da Vinci Coder or, or anything like that. Um, but uh, there's another thing in here that I see a lot in movies, and it's the extreme length that the filmmakers go through to make a guy look like the movie's bad guy. And they do a lot of this with with uh, Sir Jorah here. And it's crazy to me, because did you notice at his house before we left to go on this grand adventure that he's got like this gigantic party going on in the middle of the day and everyone's dressed up like they're in egypt or something and he's like eating fruit or whatever and then we come out to where are they cambodia i guess and he's got like this whole entourage that's followed him with this giant tent. And it's like, he's sitting on a purple
0: to, sofa, not yeah. even looking, he's not even looking at the thing they're trying to do. He's looking yeah. away from it, like almost right where Angelina Jolie's looking. And I believe he was even like eating fruit while it was yeah, happening. Or, he's probably
1: eating grapes or an apple or something like that. And, yeah, a
0: very classic, like you said, very classic cinema bad guy pose. Yeah,
1: like so decadent. He has so much money that all these people just follow him around. So you must not like him. <laughs> Even in 2001, we were making the 1% look bad, and we didn't have a name for him yet. So,
0: <laughs> Well, the movie does establish pretty quickly on that he's the bad guy. I remember one of the first scenes in the movie is him talking to the to the exposition, I mean the Illuminati Council, about this thing they're going to do. And like you said, telling a very long, drawn-out story that... Honestly, bored the crap out of me, and I didn't even catch the end of. That's probably why I got so bored in the movie when I was a teenager because that scene was. They told the story in such a long, drawn out fashion; it was kind of hard to follow. Mm-hmm. But so I tell you, one thing that I will say as a video game fan is, I will give them credit for a decently faithful adaptation of Tomb Raider and and Lara Croft's character in general. Uh, the biggest, most things I'll point out, not just you know Angelina Jolie herself. But there were lots of Laura grunts in this movie.
1: Laura grunts.
0: Grunts. So like okay. this is this is a video game thing. So in the in the video game in the original, uh, Laura does a lot of jumping and climbing and twisting and and most times like especially when she like hangs on something and pulls herself up, there she she grunts and eh or makes a noise or something, and so or when she's fighting something she grunts. There is actually a fair amount of Laura grunting in Tomb Raider, and
1: so her doing it a lot in the movie kind of made sense. So that's uh, really tying in a particular element of the game and bringing it into the movie.
0: Yes, that's again, interesting. Right. that goes back to faithful adaptations. And yeah. again, there's always a creative way to do it. I thought that was a pretty creative way to make it happen, although maybe a little obvious. But in fact, if I'm going to give a side credit for that, I remember when you watched the most recent video game adaptation to come out in theaters, Moral Combat, Mortal, yeah. there were there was a lot of people saying, there's a lot of things in Moral Combat that you just cannot stick into a story in a reasonable fashion. And the, the chief one was Scorpion's infamous line when he, he hits the guy with the, get over here, with the spear. Mm-hmm. And they managed to stick it somewhere in the movie that was totally plausible, totally made sense, and actually fit the plot. So... Anyway, jumping back over to, to Tomb Raider, the basic the opening scene where she fights the robot actually fits very well with the video game because the video game usually always starts with some big training level where you're doing something to learn the controls, but it's not the stakes are not high at all. So in the training scene in the opening part of the movie, she does a lot of jumping, a lot of running, twisting, some shooting, and okay. it's it's so- all you know, these are all things you probably didn't realize when you watched it no
1: and in fact i thought the beginning was really dumb i was like well why is she fighting robots in her own house stupid but that makes a lot of sense i mean that is the first level in a lot of these games is where you got to try to figure out the controls and it teaches you how to do things and that's actually i i take back my criticism on that which i didn't <laughs> say on here but that's very good observation i like that
0: yeah, it's a very classic video game. Uh, and another good way that the movie does a good job staying faithful to the source material. Now, I think where this movie probably falls a little short is usually the plot of Tomb Raider is she's going into a tomb, finding something valuable, and killing whatever monsters get in her way. They did find a way to inflate that a little too much, in my general opinion. Mm hmm. For example, one of my notes was, is it really necessary to turn this into an end of the world style plot? Like, does it really have to involve a secret society and interplanetary alignments, which is a criticism also of the later games in the franchise as they also got a little bloated.
1: Well, that's the ultimate high stakes. It's like, what's, you know, it kind of reminds me of Michael Scott going into his uh, improvisation. I always have a gun because you can't top it. You can't top it yeah and so that's sort of the sort of like this it's like what's bigger what's worse than the whole world ending nothing (laughs) you know the world ends we're all gone there's no more (laughs) life anywhere so that's the ultimate stakes that's why it's always like this and sometimes if you have a, a a plot that i guess works in that then sure it makes sense but i got to say, probably 99% of the time, if your plot revolves around the end of the world, uh, it is probably not going to hold up. Well, and I think actually
0: it was a little too big for the quest at hand. Because if you're going to compare this to a movie, again, I think it's kind of fun in these situations to talk about an analog movie. A movie that would come along much later along a similar theme of getting something very valuable with a lot of history tied in, uh, National Treasure... Oh yeah, does a better job of telling a story like that, and the stakes aren't nearly as big. There's no end of the world. It's just one dude trying to get rich, mm-hmm. and you know, stay true to his faithful love of history or whatever else. But uh, National Treasure probably does a better job of that aspect of the story. So, like, if you had taken Laura Croft and, and again, same faithfulness to the source material, but then you throw in, then you throw in even, hey, Laura Croft's just trying to get rich then I think it's a lot different. Uh, or if she's trying to resurrect her dead father, which they make clear later in the movie, just make it about that. She's mm-hmm. trying to resurrect her dead father, and for some reason, maybe the Illuminati doesn't want him back.
1: Right, yeah, there's a, a whole list of things that you could do, and those are, those are very good ideas, too. I would uh, much rather watch that than... Because, I mean, okay, she doesn't succeed. Now what happens? The world ends. So how's our movie end? It just goes black. <laughs> so when the <laughs> everyone loves when, a happy ending sir yeah, remember what when, john travolta said that's true i mean whenever whenever somebody tells me the world's at stake i instantly know that this movie how it's going to end because they're not just going to go oh no the world's coming to a you know, they're <laughs> not just going to stop mid-sentence i mean uh it's you know have a little bit more creativity in what you're doing and and actually mm give us something that is worth rooting for. I can't root for anybody that's trying to save the world because I know they're gonna succeed. no matter how much is thrown at them they're gonna they're gonna have the ability to get past it all. I mean, she jumps off a waterfall for crying out loud you know <laughs> and was I concerned at all about her? and sure enough, she swims out okay and suddenly she can speak Cambodian. so uh, she's she's practically
0: superwoman in this movie yeah w- once again, Showing up, dominating everything, and leaving. And doing it in a way that, like I said, I was actually kind of okay with. I wasn't upset about it. It was a well-portrayed performance.
1: So I noted something here, too, is that after she does the waterfall jump, and she comes out, and all these people are around her, I I noted that they gave her, like, these magic healing elixirs, almost. And she would drink them, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden she's better. But now what we're talking about right now, I almost gotta wonder if that's another, uh, another throwback to the game as well. Yes, definitely. Because is. you just you you your health meter goes down, but then you go around and find food or find medicine or whatever it is in the mm-hmm. games, and your health goes back up. So right,
0: depending on your video game, it can be pizza or cheeseburgers yeah. or red cross boxes with whatever in them.
1: <laughs> right. So that to me, I guess is uh, that that. Just talking about this right now, that adds a different dimension. I don't know if it saves the movie or not, but it... Um it, it still works all right. But.
0: Well, it, it's context because what kind of movie are you watching? You're watching mm-hmm. a video game adaptation, and there's things from a video game adaptation that are perfect, that are necessary, and some that aren't. And, and like I said, I think the ultimate problem with this movie is, is the plot probably got a little overcomplicated for what it turned out to be. You don't you need know. to do that with a video game movie. Lara Croft could have spent the entire movie raiding tombs for various reasons, tie them all together somehow. It's an entertaining movie.
1: Well, but she doesn't, does she ever raid a tomb in this movie? Because a tomb, to me, would be where somebody's buried, right? Mm -hmm. And so they go into that one spot in Cambodia, but it doesn't seem like a burial site. But is that a tomb? Is that what you would call that? Because I would just call it, like, uh, just like a building <laughs> with with stuff that can kill you right yeah no there
0: were it, it didn't have that like small little opening you squeeze into or some of those other ideas from going into a tomb so yeah no definitely probably both of them there were two rate tombs raided in the film one of them took a long time to get into for the record
1: but was it was that the last one at this movie's climax that's in where were they like antarctica or something like that or somewhere um, very cold very far cold away. yes cuz they go down into this cave that's what it was it was like a cave uh-huh they go down into a cave and everyone's all bundled up as soon as they get down there angelina jolie sheds the coat so i guess it's there's a 100 degree difference between outside and inside but mm-hmm. that's whatever um and they they get down there and they happen upon a set from Most Extreme Challenge, and she has to, like, get inside of it or something. Yeah, the floor um, is lava, yeah. Yeah, but that's not um, that's not a tomb either, I don't think.
0: Not it's by just the strictest a
1: definition, I guess, no. Yeah.
0: Well, and remember, the crazy part is, this is kind of the funny thing, again, going back to the video game ideas and uh, symbols the bad guy and his crew are trying to literally rip the entrance to the tomb down with uh, stones and stuff. She finds an Easter egg. Oh, yeah. Because remember, she's walking and she she notices all of these moths flying very conspicuously in this one place. And I don't remember well enough about the game to remember if that specifically was a particular Easter egg. But that's what happens a lot of times in a video game is you notice one thing out of place and it takes you to a secret entrance. Yeah. That just in case you didn't know, the creepy girl helped her find too.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that that was another thing, too, because I made a note about that. And now, um, you know, knowing this, that kind of makes a little bit more sense. You kind of got the the little uh, non-playable character that comes up to you and tells you a little hint. But Mm -hmm. um, what I noted about that was, yeah, she falls through there and gets inside, but she only beats the bad guys by like five seconds.
0: Yeah. Not much of an Easter egg there.
1: But yeah, I guess if we... Talk about this final scene here, where they're in the in the ice cave. Um, we we finally get our scene with John Voight and Angelina Jolie, and it's incredibly anticlimactic. I mean, here you got father and daughter on the screen as characters and in real life. Right. And it's, I think that's the only time they've ever been in a movie together. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't go back and check that. So. Um, But it's really anticlimactic, and it almost looks like they just shot reverse shot on this. So I don't even know if they were there on the same day they shot it. It could easily have been edited to look that way. So um, I guess I was kind of looking forward to the two of them meeting and seeing what kind of, you know, seeing these two uh, members of an acting family could pull off together, but it was just another boring talking scene that didn't really go anywhere. So.
0: yeah i thought I think anticlimactic is a good word for it. I think that you knew the whole time that she wasn't really going to get what she wanted there right and she just her dad kind of gave her that courage and she went on now yeah. spe- speaking of that, one thing that did bother me in the third act and the final part of the film so Laura Croft throughout the entire film has been this straight up b a Kick it and take names Get out of my way Kind of character I'm just going to get it done Well The end of the movie has happened She's averted the stuff She's turned around time Knife in the chest She saves Daniel Craig They're getting ready to leave together And they're going to seal this guy in this tomb And And he decides to pull out this watch, you know, that watch and taunt her, oh, your father begged for his life. And then the movie shows you, yeah, that was a lie. But, you know, he begged for his life before I took this from him. So my first thought was, Laura Croft's just going to shoot him in the head and take the watch.
1: No, we but, have to have a good old fashioned fist fight. Oh yeah, I, yeah. We have to have a good old fashioned <laughs> right, exactly. Well, the well the, oh, the whole set just crumbles to the
0: ground. Right, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna point their guns at each other dramatically, then decide to put their guns down and just settle everything in a good old fashioned game of fisticuffs. Come on, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, and then weren't there like how many guys with guns in there with them? And then as the set starts to crumble, they all run out. So then after Laura kills the bad guy, then what's going to happen when she walks out of the cave? Isn't there going to be a full army with guns pointed at her? Yeah. True. But apparently not. Cause they're just kind of like, Oh, Sir Jorah's dead. <laughs> Ding dong. The King no. is dead. Long live the King. Yep. So I, I will just go home he didn't, He didn't pay <laughs> us. Cause he's dead bastard. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It just, that, that seems, that seems funny to me that it's, that always that's another thing that always happens it's like this the bad guy's got this whole army of of disposable characters behind him and as soon as the bad guy's dead they're just like meh (laughs) and they don't continue on it's kind of like kill lara croft at all costs except when i die (laughs) then just go home and have pie yeah,
0: it's over so, after that. Yeah. Well, I, I guess to kind of put a bow on this thing. So, on second viewing in the rear view, how does Lara Croft Tomb Raider look to you?
1: I mean, it's it's still not good. Um, it's boring. Uh, I was found myself yawning at about the part after she jumped off that waterfall. I was kind of kind of done with it at that point, just hoping it would finish. But I mean, it's not terrible. Um, I you know, it's not. Great by any means But it's not like it, It's It's no swordfish
0: <laughs> uh, Did you have a favorite scene uh, That stood out to you? Um
1: No <laughs> Not really I can't really I can't really think of anything That really Was something that I was like Wow that's really cool Um The CGI is Like Terrible Especially when the wall monkeys Come to life When they're in the So called mm-hmm. tomb in Cambodia Yes Um That was That was pretty cheesy, um, fairly unimpressed by Tomb Raider. And how about you? So,
0: again, this is one of those where your lens matters a little bit. For me, as a faithful video game player, I would say that what's funny is I noticed more faithful video game adaptations the second time in the review, because again, I was bored to tears by the film the first time I saw it, but the second time, again, now in the review, I said, man, this is actually a pretty faithful video game adaptation. In a way that Is not fantastic, but if we're talking about movies it's not, it's definitely not Super Mario Brothers or even what I would think is the second worst video game adaptation movie that I can recall, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, (laughs) which was also not very good at all. But, you know, in a way that can kind of line up Tomb Raider with the very first Mortal Kombat, a movie that was faithfully in some places recreated the game as as well as could be done and didn't take too many licenses with the story and tried to put a moderately compelling story together um i actually did like it better the second time maybe i was just older and more mature and could understand some of the plot details a little bit more but yeah i actually did improve my understanding of this film in the review
1: well in my opinion changes on it slightly too after you start talking about the um the kind of throwbacks to the video game tropes that ended up in this movie Mm -hmm. too. So that's, uh, that's something I never would have picked up on until you mentioned it. And now that you did, um, I do kind of appreciate that a little bit more. Uh, And there's, there does seem to be a lot in them. I'm going back over the movie in my head and I'm like, well, there's another one there and there and there. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. But
0: if the movie actually begged repeat viewings, you might notice more, but it doesn't exactly beg for repeat viewings. No.
1: And that'll probably (laughs) be the last time I watch it just for, Just because, I mean, (laughs) it's not a good movie. I'm not going to spend my time on it. Mm. Um,
0: Well, speaking of time, it seems like we're just about up on this leg of the journey towards our rearview movies. Thank you all so much for tuning in, as always. Please like our stuff on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at Rearview Movies. Let us know what you think and how we can do this better for you. And keep in mind that uh, we'd love to hear feedback about next week's movie. Uh, Trevor, what's our movie
1: next week? Next week is the very beginning of one of the most massive movie franchises in history. So we're going to take a look at speeding fast cars in The Fast and the Furious.
0: Oh man, can't wait for that. So make sure to hop in your car and make sure it gets enough mileage to the gallon and other car terms that I don't know. I'm not even going to try to... (laughs) make sure you have
1: your nos on board
0: not even nos even gonna pretend that i'm a gearhead for that so (laughs) i can't say enough how awesome it is to have people listen to the podcast please continue to give us great feedback we just want to put on a good show for you and uh, enjoy the rest of your journey guys